Lorna Bond and the Metabolic Studio offers the Explorers Club to share meaningful journeys, encounters, and projects in an intimate setting at the Metabolic Studio. Session 21, August 4th, 2016, features Mark Hanna, who shares an update on bending the river back into the city. Let's tune in, connect, and listen. Thank you, everybody, and uh, I'll, I'll try to go through it slowly. Uh, I'm going too fast, and someone wants to more explanation about what's being shown on the screen or any other kind of status, please just interrupt and, and ask questions uh, fluidly, as well as at the end, um, I'm here to also answer any other questions that maybe weren't uh, covered in the, in the discussion. Um, so for the last couple years, uh, the studio and Lauren have been uh, pursuing a project titled, uh, an artwork titled uh, Bending the River Back into the City, which is a three-piece artwork, uh, which includes uh, the Zaha, which is reminiscent of the, the Zaha system that used to uh, deliver water to the Pueblo de Los Angeles. Um, the uh, La Noria, which is a uh, water wheel, and the Delta of Mount Whitney, which is a is the distribution network uh, for water that will be diverted from the Los Angeles River to offset uh, uh, non-potable uh, demands to help offset uh, imported water use within this region. Um, in particular, we've got the Los Angeles State Historic Park that's uh, going in, uh, in under construction right across the street here. Um, a very large open space um, that requires quite a bit of irrigation to keep it uh, alive and, and healthy. And then we've got the Albion Riverside Park being put forth by the city, by the city of Los Angeles uh, across the river. So uh, this is an image that uh, Lauren created showing the uh, Metabolic Studio building. Down here in the lower left, um, we're probably sitting right about here. All right. So the Hoyas are being uh, developed right over here. Uh, here's the parking garage. Um, roundabout, this would be the Los Angeles State Historic Park. And out the doors beyond the Hoya room is uh, some open space and the Los Angeles River itself. Uh, the Albion Park is down here in the lower right-hand corner. And of course, we've got the Moon site uh, being developed by Lauren and, and the studio, which is just up the river on the other side of the Broadway uh, bridge in the upper right-hand corner. And the potential exists now to run water uh, all the way up to the Moon site. So um, it's a rather uh, aggressive um, and a, a project that has captured uh, you know, many imagination. So this is just to put us in perspective uh, of where we are located today, right now. Um, it is, uh, so this is a perspective looking north to northwest across the LA basin. On the upper part of the screen, you can see, and I might be able to develop, get a pointer here. So up here is the San Fernando Basin, 
which is a very large groundwater aquifer that collects uh, native rain and precipitation that falls within the uh, upper Los Angeles River area. And it's very deep and very porous, so it's like a giant bathtub uh, full of gravel and sand. What did you call it? What did you call that area? It's, well, it's the San Fernando Valley. Um, yeah, so the Tonga Wash comes down kind of out of out of this mountain range up here and mixes with the Pacoima Wash right around here, which then flows down to meet the Los Angeles River, Tonga being the largest tributary of the L.A. River. Um, and so what makes this important and intriguing and, uh, you know, leads to the development of bending the river back into the city is it's this this deep gravel aquifer that captures rainwater um, and imagine a bathtub that's slightly tipped to the east so this aquifer fills up with water like a cistern that's full of gravel so people can walk on it and drive on it you can't even see the water but there's a little nick point which we call the narrows which is the the Glendale Narrows. And that's a place where there was always flowing water. So even if the entire San Fernando Valley was dry and it was you know, the heat of the summertime, there's always water rising and flowing through the Glendale Narrows, which is also why the LA River uh, was never paved in that section. Um, they couldn't figure out how to keep concrete down where water was constantly pushing up. So, hence, we still have the soft bottom reach of the LA River there. Yes? Could you just um, point out the path of the river, like from the headwater? Okay, so um, Bell Creek comes this way, and Arroyo Calabasas comes this way, and they they meet here in, uh, there's that school there. Um, it's a high school. Yeah. Anyways, where they come together, and the, mm-hmm. where the very, that's the, the start of the LA River, and it kind of meanders along, but most of the time is tucked up kind of just on the northern face of the Santa Monica Mountains. So it runs along this way, uh, comes through here where it, where it starts to become soft bottom because this is where that nick point is that I was describing. Um, you've got the Arroyo Seco comes in through here. And as the LA River passes through downtown Los Angeles and eventually out to Long Beach. That would be a good feature to add to this image. So this is where the city or Pueblo of Los Angeles was founded, uh, just about 100 and 150 yards upstream from where we sit today. And it was the explorers that came through and saw that there was this constant, I mean, it was dry everywhere, but there was a constant flow of water just about where the Arroyo Seco and the LA River come together which is just downstream, like within a stone's throw of that soft bottom reach. So there was always a constant flow of water there, and that's where the founders of the Pueblo said, this is a great place to create uh, you know, a, a civilized place. They probably use different words than that, but I think you, you understand what I'm trying to say. Um, so, and then as the Pueblo... Uh, was further developed, um, and we've got um, 
Olvera Street, and, which is right down down the way here. Um, that was placed there because you could actually get this constant flow of water to flow by gravity to uh, the pueblo, and so that allowed uh, for you know the little town to exist. In 1850, California became a state. And in the late 1850s, the city council for the city of Los Angeles uh, developed the very first water wheel in Los Angeles. Again, about 100 yards upstream of where we sit today. So, moving on. This is a map uh, of the Zanja Madre, uh, which is was the mother ditch that fed the Pueblo, and we've adapted it to also highlight where other water wheels have existed in Los Angeles. But the LA River flows down this way, and the very first, and they, this is the bluff, so this would be uh, Buena Vista, which is now Broadway. Um, and the very first water wheel was, was built in 1854 by city council um, in that location. There were, I believe, 10 or 11 water wheels in Los Angeles between 1850 and 19, uh, 1900. Um, I think it was 10 water wheels in 11 locations because uh, the one that was built over here uh, near the upper end of the Pueblo was moved uh, after a year. Um, and there were several that were built further downstream and a lot of them as you can see followed the route it's hard to tell here but this light blue line is the course of the Zanja Madre you know, the, the mother ditch that was first uh, developed to move water through the Pueblo um, this is an image it's one of the only images uh, known of one of the water wheels in Los Angeles there's some debate over exactly which one it is some people say there's no debate, they know exactly which one it is. Um, I feel like it's uh, the one at the bottom of Solano Canyon. Um, and I think it was about a 40-foot a, a water wheel that was lifting water up to a higher elevation that would run then in this ditch. And it, was, it allowed water to flow to some higher acreages up here. And there's, there were some old reservoirs up here as well. Um, and then this is the uh, kind of the first drawing that Lauren did in 2013 of, of La Noria. So, um, and then as you can see here, we've got uh, the most recent water wheel with a date of 2017. So, to come, um, and you can see how close it is in proximity to the very first water wheel that was developed in Los Angeles. North, North would kind of go up to the right. Um, and what what what's interesting, and, and you know, I wish Lauren were here to explain this herself, but I've heard her uh, describe, you know, the water wheel itself as a as a, a device, an artwork, but it's really the the attractant that allows people to look more closely at the river itself, at this resource that we have, and if the water wheel itself is pulling water out of the river and distributing it to um, to 
you know, these, these uses, then it can also be that attractant that allows people to say, well, you know, look at there's, there's, uh, we don't have to use potable, we don't have to use imported potable water to irrigate our open spaces and, and, and we can be smarter about it. So it's intriguing that, um, you know, 100 years ago when the LA Aqueduct was finished bringing Owens River water into Los Angeles, it basically sealed the fate of the Los Angeles River as the city's main source of water. And from then on, I think care has not occurred for the river itself. Hundred years later, now we're t- it's it's, a, it's an important thing. Local resources, uh, the reliability of our imported supplies are are, are they're becoming less reliable, and so this allows uh, a conversation to be held about pivoting from the ways of the past to the ways of the future, using a technology from the past to generate that conversation. So, yeah. You mean like like, like water overall quantities? Yeah. So again, you know, climate you know, is is a tricky thing, especially here in the Southwest. Um, you know, they they were able to sustain a small population with the the local water that was rising through the river. Um, I don't have quantities, but I know that in certain wet seasons that wouldn't occur but every 10 years, they would have these devastating floods and the quantities would be enormous, too much to handle, um, ultimately leading also to the, the paving of the LA River itself. Um, but it wasn't too long before groundwater was being pumped out of the San Fernando Valley. Um, one of these water wheels, and I think it's this one here, was actually generating its power off the flowing water in the in the Zaha, in the ditch, to actually operate a groundwater pump that was actually bringing more water up. And they were, it was called Avila Springs, and this was the Avila water wheel. So um, it might have been maybe one of these, maybe 1860. Yeah, this is right. This is more kind of where the, where the cornfields are. So it wasn't long before they were already trying to exploit additional sources of water. So they tapped out pretty quickly on that dry season flow. So here is um, two images side by side. Uh, that You can see the studio down here in the lower left corner again. And here it is uh, expanded. Um, on the left, you can see the uh, pertinences that will go with uh, the water wheel. Um, the, the water wheel itself is designed to be located between this building and the other building, partially housed within the garage structure and partially housed out in the open space if you go out the, the, the doors over here. Um, there's an inflatable rubber dam which creates the backs up water and creates the pressure by having deeper water that will actually flow through a pipe and impact the blades of the wheel, giving it the, the, the power to pump the water. Um, some of the water will actually be lifted by the wheel through a treatment system. 
Um, the wheel itself will generate electricity. And then most of the water, though, diverted through this system will uh, be immediately returned back to the river. So only a very, very, very small fraction of the water being diverted uh, will be returned. And only a small fraction of the water being flowing down the river will actually come through the penstocks. Most of the water actually is going to flow over the top of the dam itself. Over here on the right is there are some of the engineering drawings and, and uh, a topographical survey information. And you can see all these little dots out here are survey uh, markers where we actually have a survey crew come out and shoot elevations. Uh, to get this water wheel to work, we need to be very certain that uh, all the elevations are correct so that it actually operates off the flow of the water in the river. Um, as you can see, the grid gets a lot tighter as you get closer to where the inlet and the outlet structures are, because that's where we really needed every little bit of detail possible to make sure that we had the, the designs uh, correct. Any questions on this slide before I move on? Here is a, several other images of, of the, the wheel, um, the wheel pit structure as it sits within uh, the studio building, um, the, the inlet pipe, the outlet pipe, and then the blades. And the blades themselves are the, are the, are the cups at the, edge of, at the end of the wheel that takes the flow of the water and, and, um, and spins. So, um, the blades were developed off the, the, the concept of the, pelt, the Pelton wheel. And a Pelton wheel is, um, is used in a lot of hydropower uh, uh, installations where you're taking a jet of water and shooting it at a blade, kind of like a turbine. Um, so in the middle, this, is this, this middle main image here is, is the... Um, is a, a cross-section of the wheel, so we're standing, let's say, at the river. Um, the grade is here. The bottom of the wheel pit is about 40 feet below grade, so this is going to be a deep uh, civil operation. And the whole point of that is by, by using the inflatable rubber dam, which the reason we use an inflatable rubber dam is once in a while it actually rains a lot here, and uh, the LA River is a flood control channel, and so at times of heavy rain, the rubber dam needs to be inflated to allow floodwaters to go by. But once we inflate the rubber dam, it's going to uh, raise the elevation in the river to about, about this height. And what that does is then gives the pressure to send water uh, through an inlet pipe that comes under the rail, underground, and right here, it hits these blades, forcing the wheel to spin. As the water drops off the blades, it falls into this stilling well, which then moves forward and it's turbulent. You can imagine water hitting a blade and then, and then dropping and it starts to splash. And this stilling well then moves further to the west before the water becomes laminar and, and more still. And then it is able to efficiently make a U-turn and return back to the river through the opposite. So this is again is the, that cross section. Here's a very similar image, maybe a little bit blown up. So um, anyways, I, I do also have a video of, of 
what we call CFD modeling, which is computational fluid dynamics, and showing how the blades were developed. And I, I can pull that up at the end of the presentation. Did you say that the water is being redirected back to the river? Most of it. So, but not the, not going up the river, going back to yeah. direction, or what? So in this image here, or you know, I really prefer the one that that Lauren did. This over here is um, so. This is the river coming downstream, and if you look out there today, you'll see there's a there's there's a, a small bead of water, okay. a ribbon of water going down the middle of of, uh, of the channel itself. I mean, the channel is about 200 feet wide at the bottom, mm -hmm. and it has it's 30 36 feet deep and has two to one side slope. So it's I mean, this is an immense uh, piece of infrastructure with just a trickle of water going down the middle of it. And you look at it and you go, you know, what a waste. I've recently heard someone say that you know the LA River does such a great job, you know, three days every 10 years. And the rest of the time, it's a real crappy job because it's just, it's hot, it's, you know, the, the water is getting superheated and it's transporting not only, you know, near drinking water quality water out to the ocean, and it's just, it's just wasting, uh, you know, a lot of our local resources. So, um, without providing any other kind of benefit uh, in the sense of environmental, um, you know, habitat, water quality, recreational, so, but on a dry day, in a dry year, from wastewater treatment plants that are upstream, that are re highly regulated, so the quality of water being discharged is, is very high, um, groundwater upwelling, that, that phenomenon still occurs in the soft bottom reach just upstream, plus urban runoff, people overwatering their lawns or washing cars or other things, those three sources put about 100 cubic feet per second into the channel at this point. It's hard to describe what 100 cubic feet per second is, but it's like a basketball is about a cubic foot. So 100 basketballs moving by full of water every second. It's quite a bit of water. Uh, the channel itself in this location is designed to carry 103,000 cubic feet per second. So several orders of magnitude greater. Um, so if there's 100 cubic feet per second flowing down the river today, and everyone should go outside and, and just take a peek at what that looks like, um, the, the inlet pipe will, will take 30 cubic feet per second into the wheel. And 0.1 cubic feet per second will actually be lifted by the wheel. So that means, to, in the long-winded way of answering the question that was asked, uh, so 100 cubic feet per second coming in, 30 going in the pipe, 70 is going over the dam, right? So, and 29.9, so 30 goes in, 29.9 comes immediately back. So if at this point there's 100 cubic feet per second, at this point there's 99 so negligible in in you know all senses of the word. So only a little bit is being lifted by the wheel up into the treatment system um, and then sent for distribution to 
the Los Angeles State Historic Park and Albion and, and eventually uh, maybe beyond into Chinatown and up to the moon site. And when um, we're finished the OIA is I'm going to lead a tour to the moon. We'll walk over the Spring Street Bridge and I'll point out where the inflatable dam will be. You'll be able to see how much water is actually flowing through the, um, the channel of the LA River and we'll um, actually be looking at all of these sites that uh, Mark is talking about right now. Mark? Yes. Um, I'm just sitting here uh, watching the, the Huntington Library. And if you put the two towers together like that, um, it's, about, it's about 10 feet high. And if you put the two towers together like that, so that's about, I think, 100 All right. So that ten by yeah. Yeah. So that that big cube, if you put those two towers together, you have a big cube of water there. And that would be about a hundred cubic feet. So imagine that much water every second going by. Now, uh, the city of Los Angeles uses on average. A thousand cubic feet per second. So, yes, just if you had to average it out over the year, they're using a thousand. We, as a city, uh, Long Beach actually uses about a hundred cubic feet per second. So, that what we see out there is actually enough water to supply the city of Long Beach with with its water needs. And right now, where is the water going? It, it travels down right to, the ocean. right to the ocean. Some is lost to evaporation, um, and it's picking up urban runoff as it goes, so it's actually increasing in flow as it goes down wow. because you know there's the Rio Hondo, uh, is tributary to it downstream from here. It's got a lot of drains, large drains, small drains that flow to it, and obviously the pollutant load increases as you get down there, dissolved copper, dissolved metals, mm -hmm. bacteria is an issue, right. nutrients. And that just dumps right into the ocean. Will there be an effort upstream to direct more water to it, or is this...? So there are a lot of efforts going on, and depending on the beneficial desires within uh, the citizens, um, some folks want more water in the river, uh, like the kayakers. There's a large kayaking group. Uh, I don't know if anyone here has done it, but and I've done it, and it's 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 fun. It's it's beautiful. Um, you know, it's it's if you if you equate this water uh, to dollars, it's about eighty million dollars worth of water a year. Wow! So that's when you start to make the question of like, is kayaking worth eighty million dollars a year, or is the habitat in the Narrows? worth $80 million a year. Um, if, you know, so, I mean, I don't have answers to these, but these are some of the questions that are being asked in, you know, a lot of workshops around the city and, and, and in the region. So, um, here is a cross-section now slicing through the wheel in the east-west direction, and you can see the, the inlet type here on the right, so the river's over here to the right, the inlet pipe comes 
can actually just cut at, at just the right angle so the blades pass by. And you can see the blades aren't exactly perpendicular to the rim itself. They're, they're you know, talking about, I think it's like 20%, 22%. So when they go by the, the, the jet, they actually are right there at the, at the perfect angle to scoop and take the horizontal energy out of the water, and the water, in theory, just drops vertically. So all of the horizontal force out of the water is removed and transferred to the wheel itself for spinning. Um, and this is that long stilling well that I was talking about that creates the need to, you know, this, this distance isn't just set based on the wheel. It's actually set based on the hydraulic. So, um, you know, by the time the water has gotten to this point, it starts to flow at a very laminar, in a laminar nature, a very calm, still nature. And then it, it is allowed to uh, very efficiently hit the U-turn and come back out. Um, No, so okay, so, and that's what this shows over here. That's your question. Um, so, 90, uh, 90, you know, 30 cubic feet per second are coming through this pipe, and it's hard to tell on this, but there's a, there's a little pipe here on the back side, and that water, that slipstreams off of the main line to a box over here, and here you can see the, the box, and this box has multiple nozzles and based on the depth in the river that box will hold about that much water constantly filling up from the river and constantly raining down on the rim of the pipe of the, of the wheel and the rim of the wheel has these buckets inside the rim itself there's a there's a, a, a life a, a scale a real sized segment of this rim uh, in the in the pink room, just over by the just that way from the oil. So you, it's hanging in the room. You guys can go over and look at it. You can see those buckets. So what's happening is as the wheel is spinning, it's the, the bucket pipe. So the, the water's hitting the blade and dropping out. A small portion of the water is actually being diverted off of that flow, raining onto the buckets. And then as the buckets go up, they go around, and at the top, then they start to empty. And so we need some form of catcher at the top to take the water as it falls out of the buckets and then convey it to the to the, the treatment system or through a natural area which is being developed outside and then to the treatment system eventually for use. And what's the percentage of water that's being skimmed off to reallocate? So 0.1%. 0.1%. And it equates to about 80 gallons a minute, which equates to the midsummer demands of the Los Angeles State Historic Park in Albion, Rosetta. So, is, is the 0.1%, I guess it's the point one percent for lots of reasons. Is it logistical and practical communication to the county? So, it was the 80 gallons a minute. We said we need 80 gallons a minute to meet the demands at the state park, Albion, Riverside Park, and some local you know, uses here on site. Um, and then from that, 
we, we, we looked at all the, those demands, put them together, and it turns out that it's really 0.16 cubic feet per second. So, and there's about 100 cubic feet per second. So it's 1.6%, I guess. So 0.16%. The calculated demand uh, for the project for irrigation water is 106 acre feet a year, which is exactly the water rights that Lauren sought to be able to do this project. Right. And then when you run the math, that 106 acre feet spread out over a daily intake is 80 gallons per minute. Here are some images we've, you know, the, the, the project has um, undergone a lot of, of uh, investigation. Um, on the left is kind of a, a very raw render of uh, the rubber dam, the pool of water behind it. Of course, the rubber dam itself will have water going over the top of it, so you won't see it like that. It's also a, a darker gray color. It's not yellow. So but you can see the wheel into the studio back there. Yeah. And over here to the left, there we go. This, we're right on the other side of that wall there. Well, the Oyas are actually on the other side of that wall and then we're another wall in. This is the parking garage. Um, inlet structure, outlet structure. Over here on the right is a render in plan of a solar study that uh, was conducted to look at how the shadows will appear um, at the wheel. And we did a solar study for the uh, summer equinox and winter equinox. Yeah. So at the equinox is, equinox is. Um, and this is like 2 p.m. on December 20th or 21st. So you can see kind of what the shadows do. Now in the summer, summer solstice, not equinox, solstice. Right? Okay. At the solstices. So this is this is just one, and we did them for you know 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m. at both the winter and summer solstices. So you can see the, the way the shadows will cast themselves uh, during those times of the year. Um, here's another render from you know slightly below grade. Uh, looking at uh, the wheel um, over here on the right is the what we call it's a called the dynam dynamometer which is called also the dyno for short and it is actually a it's like an AC motor that can turn the wheel if we need it to but it also is used in this instance to break the wheel to slow the wheel down because we want the wheel to operate at 1.4 rpms make the 80 gallons per minute work based on the size of the buckets and if it were free wheeling then it would start to spin faster and then the buckets wouldn't fill up as much and you know so control needs to be uh, placed on this and with that by breaking the wheel we can actually generate um, you know, electricity that can run you know certain activities here at the studio itself this is interesting this is a, a an aerial shot looking past the studio building. So again, we're sitting right about there. Um, looking past the studio building, you can see uh, the Anabolic Monument here in the in the state, Los Angeles State Historic Park. 
and looking to downtown Los Angeles. And what's really interesting about this image is it was in the Army Corps' uh, feasibility study for the preferred alternative or alternative 20, which is the Arbor study where they're talking about restoring multiple sites along the river. And this is the, this next image is also in the Army, Army Corps' study. And what you can see here is they are, they have recognized that the rubber dam exists and the water wheel exists. Now, they also are recognizing here that half the studio doesn't exist. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, discussions and coordination that still needs to occur. But um, you can also see downstream, this is the piggyback yard. Um, here are some, some uh, terracing that they've pr promoted. Um, and so again, going back and forth, you can see what, and these are images right out of the Army Corps study. So it's very, again, it's very uh, positive to hear and see from them that they're recognizing bending the river back into the city. These? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so the feasibility study is on the Army Corps website. And they've got, I mean, they've got images like this for uh, Piggyback Yard. Um, they've got images like this for the, where the Verdugo Wash comes in, the Royal Seco, Headworks. So there's, I think, eight or nine sites within the 11-mile reach, arbor reach of the LA River that has renders like this. So that, <clears throat> that 80, the, the water that you're pulling off with the water wheel is going to be what's creating that green belt. There on the so, if you if you look at the park now, I mean, it doesn't look anything like no. this. Um, it you know it's it's got a, a giant lawn, it's got walkways, it's got citrus trees, um, large shrubs, a lot of native upland species. It's got ornamentals in the parking lot. So when you put all of that together and meet their water demands, along with what's going on over here at Albion Riverside Park. Um, that's where you see the, the, the total demands. And so, you know, again, these are just images that they said, hey, this is what we can do. But of course, you know, the state owns this, oops, the state owns this land over here. Um, and so they, you know, they, there are, they're, you know, $20 million into their construction project, so. Um, so right now, the, the water that will be used uh, for irrigation will provide uh, what is currently the design for the state park that's being built out now, which is the state park and two city parks on the other side of the river, and I'll point those out when we go on the floor. But um, uh, the water uh, from uh, on the metabolic studio site will be actually water that that uh, will be uh, daylighted in a landform in a wetland area that will be part of the water that will then be sent to these, these uh, state and city parks. And what's also nice is the water rights appropriation that Lauren went through and successfully received a water right off the LA River um, was based on uh, projected water demands at these, these parks like Lou just described. Um, but that was those designs were in place a couple of years ago, and we've gone through a, a lot of a lot more dry years in California since the, those projects were approved. And so, 
the demands on those sites are actually lower than we had, they had actually projected. So it's looking like we even have excess water uh, with which we need to put to beneficial use. How long are the water rights they're in perpetuity, but the, the, it's a permit, right? The water right is a permit, a permit to take a certain amount of water on an annual basis, um, and they can be taken away if they're not used based on the permit, or if you don't update your permit based on the, the uses that are you know, the uses of that water. Um, but you also have 15 years to perfect it. So, if in 15 years we're only able to utilize 80 acre feet instead of 106 acre feet, they can ratchet back the waterway. Or we can apply for an extension. I mean, there's all of those things can come into play. So, yeah. So you said that the wheel makes electricity. Would that electricity be used to pump the water into the park? So yes. What, I mean, you, we can, you can picture the energy demands here at the studio as, as like a checkbook. So. There's a lot of electricity, you know, this projector, the exit sign, you know, the, everything is using electricity. And we will also be able to generate electricity. So uh, whatever the overall demands are for the studio operation. I guess my point is that you've obviously calculated the water demands, but have the energy demands also been calculated? Yes, yes. And so there still is a deficit. We, I think we can generate about 30 to 40% of the energy demands for the project not looking at the entire studio itself. Yeah. And we're doing a, a, a solar power study. So we're really we're nailing down what that deficit is yeah. and then trying to find how can we make up that deficit to become energy neutral for the project, for the artwork. But we're also seeing if we can push it a little bit and, and even offset the studio. the studio itself. So it all has to do with roof space, usable roof space uh, for solar panels. Right. This is a wonderful, wonderful uh, list of permits and permissions uh, required for a project like this to occur. I think we're up to 48 permissions required. Um, uh, Michael Gagan, who works very closely with the studio, uh, I couldn't be here today. This is kind of his specialty um, as an engineer and a scientist and, and uh, we support his needs to help get the permits required to do a project like this. Um, I have taken a select few, and these are number 5, number 12, number 21, and 42 that I've shown here. And these are just some of the key milestones that have occurred over the last couple of years. So City Council for the City of Los Angeles uh, approved the environmental documentation, so CEQA, the California Environmental Quality Act. Uh, they approved it on March 5th, 2014. Uh, for a project to occur, um, there needs to be a lead agency that says this project, you know, meets, you know, doesn't harm, uh, you know, sensitive species, you know, doesn't uh, impact uh, Native American uh, rituals. It, do, you know, the, the list is long. And from that, you can see here where it says. City Council consideration of the initial study mitigated neg negative declaration and mitigation monitoring permit. So there are nesting bats around here that are um, rare. Rare, spe rare. Rare species of bats nest around here and so we need to monitor and make sure that we do the project during the non-nesting season. 
So there's a lot of, we need to have an archaeologist on site during the excavation in case we bring up, you know, any remains, any archaeological uh, artifacts, etc. So There's an owl too, right? There, there's an owl. Yeah. And so I, I, I don't think the tree that the owl nests in is around here, but, you know, those are things that we need to look at. As you can see, if, as you go out there, I think you're walking across the Spring Street Bridge, but there's some netting underneath the Spring Street Bridge. And that was actually in place when the nesting season ended. They put up the nets so that the birds wouldn't come back for one season and they would have to nest somewhere else. I think it's the swallows. And so that they wouldn't impact the actual nests during construction. They would have to build their nests elsewhere. When the project's over, those net, the nets come down. And again, there goes the second one. So the second one here is the MTA board approval of the property sale. Right outside the doors here of the studio, there's a almost a one-acre parcel. It's kind of shaped like a big triangle, and it goes from this very point in the corner right here where there's a little piece of grass all the way to the Broadway Bridge, and it expands as it gets to the Broadway Bridge, owned by the MTA, which the studio uh, acquired through this board approval in March of 2014. Escrow didn't close until, I think, early 2015. John knows more about that. But um, again, a very key milestone in this project. Um, another item actually that isn't shown up here was, was the uh, approval of the water right permit that we've already discussed. Um, another key, uh, uh, so here, the number 21, the close of escrow was on May 1st of 2015. And then uh, number 42 here was building and safety. Um, to do the project where it's located, we need to actually not demolish the garage, but we need to alter the garage structure to be able to do the construction and place the wheel. So in, in March of this year, we got the garage alteration permit. So we're ready to go out there as soon as the final permits come in and, and we move from 90% to 100% designs on, on the project itself. So pretty exciting. I mean, we're, everything is it's like herding cats, but you know, they're, they're getting in the line here, so, which is exciting. So once that long, long list of, of permits and permissions is, is uh, successfully acquired, this is kind of what we're looking at. You see the rubber dam out here. You see, uh, you know, the, the the wheel structure is is located here in the building. We've got, you know, some symbols here for a treatment system that will send water over to the Los Angeles State Historic Park. It will also send water over the Spring Street Bridge, which is actually being incorporated into their construction drawings themselves. Well, in within the. Spring Street Bridge. Under the sidewalk, correct? So what, what's interesting is when someone builds a bridge around here, everyone attacks that project and says, can I get my telecommunications line in there? Can I get my recycled water line in there? Can I get, you know, you know, we need wider sidewalks because this is an unsafe place for pedestrians to walk across. And you guys will walk across that today and you'll see the sidewalk is not only like 18 inches wide, but it's like 18 inches tall. So I mean, it's, it's rather precarious. So... We were looking for a place to put our four-inch pipeline, and, and the Bureau of Engineering came back and said, you know, we can't. You know, it's, it's just really hard. Can, can you do it with a two-inch pipeline? And we can fit a two-inch pipeline. And I'm looking at these bridge designs, and they're enormous. And you're like, wait a minute. I'm like, we're damming the L.A. River. Like, that's hard. So we need to find a place to put a four-inch pipeline within this bridge. Well, it turns out that as they widen the bridge on the south side, they will bring that sidewalk up to code on the south side, which will require them to make the sidewalk that you guys will walk across today 
they need to bring that up to code, which means they need to expand that by about two feet. And that's now space that no one had realized would be newfound space being developed in the bridge, and that's where the pipeline's gonna go. So, and they're in the process of design. And the, the studio has been collaborating very closely with the city to make sure that that pipeline is designed to specification and placed within the bridge. If it's going over the bridge, won't the, will the pipe curve up and then down? Will there be an elevation change? Yeah, so the treatment system will be probably, you know, the, the final polishing of the, of the water will probably occur at the elevation that we're sitting at right here. Then it will go through a pump, a pressurized system, which will then push water vertically up to get to, well, it'll push it along the building here, up one of the bridge piers, and then across the bridge, and then it'll drop down the other side of the bridge, and you can see these two arrows here. It's right at the, at the eastern abutment, and it will, uh, it will then send water, it will tee, sending water both northwards to Downey Recreation and southwards to the Albion Park, but that north T also can be extended to reach the moon site that you guys will see today. This was a fun project that uh, Lauren took on when Mayor Garcetti started his term here at, as the mayor of Los Angeles, showing the impact of this project over a, a certain clip, over a certain series of years. And so when the project begins, you know, we're, we're going to have to develop these demands. We need to get the water over to Albion. They need to get their system operating. So you can see that, uh, that this is this represents the the, the dammed rip. Shouldn't say that. Uh, the the pooling of water behind the rubber dam, um, and then the network. So the 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 wheel would be located here. Um, the network of pipes that would then start to irrigate. Uh, you know, small bits of vegetation around the city and then as uh, the, the project expands now you can see we're really starting to irrigate uh, several open spaces around the city um, and ultimately expanding to not only a network of pipes but also of, of transportation through either trucks or other folks coming here there would be a filling station that could be used to uh, irrigate um, underutilized lands vacant parcels etc and then here's just a different perspective. This is a perspective on the same images that you just saw. So again, year one, year four, year eight. Again, following a two-term mayor, mayoral ship. So kind of an interesting concept. The wheel is no longer located where it's shown there, but it's, it's very close. And you can see how the pipeline over the Spring Street Bridge is, is represented in this image. Um, and then here's another perspective of you know what you know what can occur uh, not only with the water wheel but also with the arbor study, um, and that is it. We've had a lot of fun as as engineers and scientists working on this project. Uh, this is us doing uh, some geotechnical investigations uh, up on the banks of the river, which we were driving these it's called the cone penetration test, where we drive these these uh, pipes down 40, 50, 60 feet into the earth and by measuring the pressure on the tip of the cone in relation to the frictional forces on the side of the pipe, 
we can identify it as sand, clay, gravel, etc. So we start to get the geotechnical properties of the soil. And then this image on the right, it, we were actually doing uh, bo deep borings within the river itself. And so there was a day we spent out there uh, cutting holes in the jacket of the LA River and drilling deep beneath the bed of the river um, to understand the geotechnical properties down there because that's where the foundation for the rubber dam is going to go. That's where the foundation for the, uh, for the inlet and outlet structures are going to go. So we need to know all that ultimately to do a good design that is safe and allows the Army Corps of Engineers to say, we permit you to do this. I'm here to take any questions you have if I left anything out. Yes. So, so rubber dams are um, common um, along the San Gabriel River. There's quite a few of them you, you, if you go along. Um, there used to be one at the Headworks site on the LA River, which has now been taken out because the Headworks site is under redevelopment. Um, there's two on the Tonga Wash system. So, uh, and they're made for very harsh environments. Um, so in Alaska, you know, where ice is crushing into these things. Big boulders are rolling down the channels. And so they're they're like steel belted radius, they're like car tires. Um, they're also under very low pressure, so they inflate with air, but it's just a blower, it's not even an air compressor, it's just an air blower. Under like four or five pounds per square inch. Very, you know, like a, softer than a soccer ball. And what that allows is like, let's say someone shoots it, for instance, which might happen in Los Angeles, I don't know. Well, the blower can keep up with it, and they actually self-repair. So um, they're also made out of the material that you can't cut it with a knife. You know, they're, they're very durable. Um, to install it, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time to, to, to build the foundation across the river. Um, and while that's happening, it will be manufactured actually from, by a company called Obermeyer in Colorado, in Fort Collins, Colorado, and it will be made to spec. And they will come out here, and we actually saw them installing one down in Orange County about a year and a half ago. And it shows up on a big spool, and a crane hangs it, and a couple guys sit there at the beginning, and they bolt it down, and it, and then they unroll it, and, and then they bolt it down. And what it really is is a, is a big sheet of rubber with with uh, metal plant, metal you know holes, and they fold it over, and then you clamp it down, and fold it over, clamp it down, clamp it down, and hang it up. And then the whole thing can inflate up, which then the water backs up against it, and then it just lays down flat, and the water goes by. You know what I still am not grasping? Mm -hmm. is, um, right now, and most of the time, when I look at the LA River Channel, and I live in the Arroyo, mm -hmm. there's not much water going through it. So, did, did I miss something? Is there going to is there going to be a way that you of directing the water more down there? So, I mean, I remember you talked about that, the wash area. Right, okay, so wet that. weather, dry weather are different things, and this system won't operate during wet weather. So when it's raining, the dam has to be deflated because this is a flood control channel, right. we need to move the water out. Right. Plus, at that t in those times, we don't need irrigation water, so right. the demands won't be occurring, and then we don't inflate the dam. During the dry season, we get, and I can I can put the numbers together, but we there's about 80 80 cubic feet per second of water that's going right by here right now 
like go out there and when you guys walk across the bridge and you look, that is generated directly from the wastewater treatment plants. So there is actually a lot of water. Two CFS is coming out of the Royal Seco. I mean, there's always water coming down the Royal Seco. Yeah, there is always Right, so it's that... The it's the damming that's going to... Well, the, 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 well, the rubber dam will actually create the pool. Right, okay. And right. there is a... It's a lot of water coming down the river right now. I mean, when you look at the entire size of the river, you go, oh, that's not very much water. Right, but when right. you think about it, 100 cubic feet per second is, is a nice so size. So it'll fill up, so you're counting on the pooling of the water. Yes, to create the pressure. Yes, 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 yes. Now I got it, because I was, so it wasn't... Yeah, so that flow of water, we couldn't just divert that and have it hit the wheel. I mean, we could... have to build it. Yes, we've got to build the water up, and not a lot, eight feet. This rubber dam will be eight feet. So... But that will create enough pressure to divert the water under the train tracks into the pit on the water wheel, and it create enough pressure to propel the wheel. I couldn't... I just couldn't. I don't see the water, but it wasn't okay. And are you working with the uh, LA Department of Water Power on this, um, or is it primarily with the Army Corps of Engineers? We have forty-eight permissions to get. So, um, Army Corps is five of those permissions. Uh, LADWP not only is we're you know they're the owner of all water that falls between here and. High heavens, um, but we appropriate actually a state water resources control board water rights permit. So we kind of, on their suggestion, we appropriated a water right. You know, Lauren appropriated a water right directly. Um, but they also have power lines out here, and we need an easement to go build our tunnels underneath their power lines. So we are working with them on that yeah. regard. Uh, there is some infrastructure out on the property that we that Lauren purchased from MTA, and. Some of that are these these, these transformers from uh, that power up the MTA system, and so we're working with LADWP to move MTA's transformers off of property that is no longer owned by MTA. So there's multiple levels of coordination. Um, Complex. Yes. Very. Yes. Um, so you said that Lauren does have water rights to the Lake River Company. Who else has water rights to the river? So only one entity has water rights to the LA River, and that's the city of Los Angeles, which historically was granted to the Pueblo de Los Angeles by the King of Spain back in 1600. I was just wondering if there's any other one. There no other water rights on the Los Angeles River. So there's two entities that have rights to divert water off the LA River. Yes? What's your estimated timeline for Um. We are looking to, I mean, we've broken ground by doing the, the preliminary work out there by moving this electrical infrastructure out of the way so the construction project can begin. Um, we're looking to start uh, garage alterations early next year, and the hope is to be uh, you know, seriously excavating this wheel pit by May or June of next year. Um, that's going to take about three months. Then the tunnel's out to the river. We need to do that before October because the Army Corps doesn't allow you to work within the river channel between October 15 and April 15. Those are the rainy season. So if we can get through that, then we've got to build out of the pit and form up the, the walls and everything and the, and the, and the, and the foundational work. Um, during that time, uh, the wheel will be fabricated off-site, uh, disassembled, and brought over here to be spinning in, in late 2018. 
playing with. Yes? Um, I'm curious, I mean, I know there's a lot of challenges along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, one that has been very exciting uh, is the unknown future condition of the Los Angeles River. Um, there are a lot of plans in place and, and uh, work uh, occurring that um, will improve water quality within the river. So not only are there upgrades to water treatment facilities, but there are these, these uh, stormwater BMPs or best management practices, green streets that are intended to uh, remove bacteria and copper and zinc and nutrients and phosphorus and everything from reaching the river in the first place. So not knowing what the future water quality will be, but believing that it will improve helps us be conservative with our designs for the treatment system. But the other big challenge is not knowing what the actual hydrologic regime will be. Um, the hydrologic regime. So right now I'm saying there's 100 cubic feet per second in the river, uh, but the Department of Water and Power and the Bureau of Sanitation are looking to take discharges from Donald T. Tillman Wastewater Treatment Plant located up in Sepulveda Basin and use that for groundwater recharge in the San Fernando Valley, which will remove that flow from the river. Now remember, we only need 30 cubic feet per second to operate the wheel, and anything more than 30 cubic feet per second will flow over the dam. So, but if we go from 100 cubic feet per second down to, let's say, 60 cubic feet per second because of these water recycling projects, and let's say um, people are better in the future than they are today at watering their lawns or washing their cars, so they're not doing that as much, that might remove another 10 cubic feet per second out of the river. Um, if LADWP turns on some additional groundwater wells, maybe the upwelling in the narrows won't be so great. So there's a... So basically, if Los Angeles Act expects to conserve water, this project might not work. Right? So eventually, if it gets down to that number, and, it, you know, and there was a time when you know, we brought this to Lauren's attention, because I work on a lot of these projects, so I have insights on it. And, and Lauren looked at me and she goes, I hope my wheel stops spinning someday. And it was it was a very, you know, very progressive statement of like almost a challenge, like, please, that's the point of this. Use your water more effectively. And I think we're a long ways away, if ever, from that occurring. But it was an interesting challenge. One of the others was, well, what about steelhead? What if all the restoration that ever that some folks want to do actually works to the point where steelhead are now coming back up the LA River like they did back in 18? 1920, and and Lauren was like, "Oh my God, I'll even help." <laughs> you know, and if Steelhead make it to the dam, we'll figure out how to either remove the dam or put a fish ladder or or whatever. Like, almost accepting the challenge, or and, and even wanting to promote that to occur. So it was, it was very because um, I came out and I'm like, "Hey, I might have found a fatal flaw here. Eventually, there might not be enough water in the river." And she turned it around as like. That's a project benefit. So, but those are those are some of the big challenges. Is, is that what you know? This is this is a big project. It's a big, it's a big undertaking. So it's two thirty. Um, in two hours, we're going to do. Thank you.
this Explorers Club session. For more information, please visit metabolicstudio.org. And thank you.